Good morning. I'm Claudia Shambaugh, your host, welcoming you to Ask a Leader. It's the June 12th, 2018 edition. For those of you who can take your eyeballs off of Singapore, today my guest will be the climate power couple, Shahir Mazri and Athena Simolaris, packing up soon for a tour of the U.S. of A., peddling and receiving messages about the shape of our planet. In the second segment, L.A. Times columnist Chris Erskine has a new book out, Datitude, The Joys and Absurdities of Modern Fatherhood, a tell with a whole gambit of textures, out just in time for you-know-what. We'll be right back after a station break. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Welcome back to the show. My guests are Shahir Mazri and Athena Simulares, climate science researcher and educator, respectively, embarking in August on a journey around the country with generous and attuned minds and ears to what the general public in this great wide nation is sorting out about the perils of the climate. Athena Simulares is a graduate student at the University of California, Irvine, that's here, where she's completing a master's degree in teaching with a concentration in Spanish. Hailing from Massachusetts, Athena earned her dual BA in international affairs and Spanish at the University of New Hampshire. She just completed her student teaching at Woodbridge High School here in Irvine with her experience teaching English in the Dominican Republic and backpacking through Europe while working on organic farms. Athena's developed a variety of perspectives about sustainable practices and the simplicity of life. She's completed her yoga teaching certification on the Big Island, Hawaii, just ahead of all the eruptions. Good timing, Athena. And so, and Shahir, also here um, with us, appeared many times now on Ask a Leader. Briefly, I'll introduce him. He is an environmental health scientist with a doctorate of science degree in environmental health from Harvard University, as well as a master of science from Harvard, bachelor of science from UCLA in environmental science. He's given numerous talks on climate change and has been published on the Hill, in the Hill, that publication, among other newspapers as well as scientific journals. He's an assistant specialist in air pollution exposure assessment epidemiology at UCI. He has a book soon to be released which focuses on addressing common misconceptions on climate change and the targeted public publication debt date. It's set for the end of July, unless that's uh, t- changing. They both join me in studio. Welcome back, Shahir, and welcome for the first time to Ask Leader Athena. Thanks for having me back. Hi, Claudia. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. This is like the most, This when I say power couple, I'm really fully, fully into that <laughs> description. Well, let's Let's start with what is the Charter for Climate Action? We'll start from the general goal, we'll get to very specific here. Sure, yeah, we have, a, I'd say, a four-prong approach. So we're going to be traveling uh, 11 weeks across 35 different states uh, beginning August 1st. And uh, the approach really is education and awareness and inspiration, of course, to uh, the youth and others to get involved with climate action. Uh, we would also are planning to survey 
people along the way uh, to inter- understand how climate change sentiment changes across the region uh, of the country. And also, uh, we, we plan to showcase and escalate the voices of those who have been affected by climate change uh, through our website um, on the Road for Climate Action, or sorry, roadforclimateaction.com. So uh, we have Everything a blog Everything will be provided. That. At the, That's correct. At, yeah. On the website, the podcast Many forms. interviews. Yeah, so we are going to be crossing the country. We really just want to talk um, to people and see how they feel about climate change. And we're really excited to just start the conversations and get them going and see what questions people have, as well as see how people have been impacted by the already changing climate. So I've been thinking about in preparation for... So, Athena, you are sitting on like a pile of pedagogical methods, best practices. So as an educator... You bring to this dynamic duo here some some very, I don't want to say subversive tools, but some very <laughs> effective tools to tune into what the folks are talking about. So we're, I want you to break that down a little bit. So let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that and, and how what you were thinking about pedagogy has to do with listening in on mm-hmm. the general public in one state after the next, not just right. in Southern California with its own kind of cosmopolitanism yeah. going for it. Yeah, definitely. So what I've been learning this year here at UCI, um, and specifically in my content area of Spanish, is the way to really excite kids about the content is to make it apply to them specifically. You know, to ask personal questions, to get them to be able to relate on a personal level to the material. How can they use these Spanish words and talk about themselves? You know, make it personal to their interests and and their life. So that's something that we definitely want to do on the road. We want to listen to people and see how climate change, the impacts, the stories, how these things relate directly to people and make a connection there to the topic that we are going to be talking about, which is climate change. And so when you're talking about kids, though, but my my understanding is your public is very broad in yes. terms of age, mm-hmm. er, religion, ethnicity. Yes, I hear. No, I, I mean, the only thing I, I would add is uh, she's a perfect counterweight to myself. It reminds me sometimes uh, that, you know, not everybody wants to hear a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, no, some, and not not actually fewer and fewer. Right. It's like, like the stripped down, just like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. So I mean, it, it's uh, it's just a great compliment to to the whole mission to have that. Um, you know, it doesn't get more fresh from uh, you know than than Athena. She's literally graduating from the graduate program in teaching in you know uh, well in four days or something. <laughs> in yeah, this Sunday. <laughs> so uh, it's it's great to have this combination. Um, you know, speaking to really all, all demographics and ages. Speaking to, but I'm I'm just thinking, it's about you, like just camping right there in the middle and just saying we're here we're here to hear what you want what you have to say i'm some sort of is that is that not a pedagogical powerful tool to say i'm here to hear you yes and listening is something that we definitely want to make sure we're leading with so of course she here has a wealth of information about this topic um, and i have some information as well um, but some people really want to be listened to and everybody has different questions about what's going on um, with the climate. You know, even yesterday we were at a Starbucks and we met, we bumped into someone who was asking about the volcanoes. We have a volcano erupting now. What does that mean? So all these questions that people have, we want to be there as a resource to answer questions and to make the information accessible to them. So does this public know you're coming? We've tried our best to make it known. Uh, we're actually uh, doing lots of local. Uh, we just spoke at St. Mark Church uh, last Sunday, and uh, yeah, about a week ago, 
and um, we'll be speaking at uh, the Back Bay Nature um, uh, this is Conservancy. The, yeah, Nature Conservancy uh, on Thursday. Um, yeah, so we're doing as much as we can to sort of but bring that's the public here. in. That's so here, the yeah. places you're going, the next 30 states, how do they know you're coming? We're uh, reaching out to uh, a variety of different um, groups along the way. Um, we have... How many do we have? About five or, or six, um, just along the northern route uh, that we've that we've confirmed bookings from Ohio to Las Vegas. Uh, what kind of places? What kind of venues? So in Vegas, we're really excited to be talking at the Springs Nature Preserve. That's about three miles outside of the city. And what we did was reach out to a Citizens Climate Lobby chapter there in Las Vegas, and they've been super excited um, to partner with the Springs Preserve, which is all about the nature of um, the area of Las Vegas. So we are going to be doing a talk there. Um, and they, in conjunction with the Nature Preserve, are going to be helping to publicize the event and to get tickets out to people, you know, to try to... Um, get people to come to our event. Well, I'm I'm very influenced by climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe, who mm, knows yeah. she knows she goes to her back to her roots, the evangelical mm. con- congregational setting. And I'm just thinking you're talking about crowds that have been converted. This is the choir. You're 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 talking that you're going to be arranging to speak with. So are you going to plug into some farm grange halls and some? some, uh, you know, mega churches or something like that. I, I just want to know. And maybe the Citizens Climate Lobby people can say, yeah, we've got, we'll book this for you guys when you're here. They know who those people are. Yeah. So one of the things we're doing uh, when we, so we're, we won't be speaking only to Citizens Climate Lobby um, venues along the way for the reasons you mentioned. We don't want to just speak to the choir, um, but we are, we will be doing that in part. And uh, we, we're planning to really um, speak to even city halls. So we every every Tuesday we'll be at a, a different city hall, and um, so they all meet. Ours meets on Tuesdays. Is that you a know, convention? That's not confirmed by me, but that's my suspicion. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be finding that out. But um, uh, yeah, city halls and uh, college campuses. Um, when we do meet with CCL chapters, we're asking them to try to have everyone bring a friend, somebody new that hasn't come to CCL. Oh yeah. Um, Some five five new people. Yeah, you know that'd be great. Um, yeah, we, we definitely want to uh, get outside of the choir. But even when we do speak to the choir, there's really a lot of people that um, you know, already are on board with climate change. They just need to be mobilized, inspired, and pointed to the right places. Um, yeah, and then another exciting um, you know, part of our trip is we are going to be, like we said, sharing the stories. So we are really fortunate to be um, visiting some Native American reservations where we're going to be listening um to the Native Americans and hearing their stories and then bringing those with us to these different venues that we have booked across the route so we can kind of try to mix um, all these different parts of our trip and bring light to different issues that some people may not entirely know about, um, even within organizations who are working for the cause already. You know, I have to walk back to the original, the obvious real start of this as tell us about where this pro this idea originated yeah uh interestingly about a year ago today so right now the citizens climate lobby uh, annual conference in washington dc is taking place um i was there about a year ago uh, almost to the day and uh i was um so inspired i mean climate change has always been something that i've been passionate about um and at that conference i became so inspired by being surrounded by 1300 people who were you know had gone out to D.C. just to be there, uh, who were, you know, pretty equally uh, concerned about climate. I became so inspired that I, I realized um, this is 
something that deserves more of my attention than I'm able to give um, as sort of a side, you know, along the side of work. It actually needed to become more of a full-time job. Uh, now, I didn't have anybody, you know, asking me to to have, you know, asking me to come on board as a full-time job. Rather, I, I, I called Athena and said, hey, what do you say we uh, defer applications? You know, her grad school is ending my uh, postdoc contract here at ECI is uh, ending in July. Oh, okay. What do you say we hit the road for climate action? Literally, <laughs> you know, and and that and she said, "Yeah, let's do it." So so here we are, uh, a year later now, about to take uh, part on that long journey. For those of you who've just tuned in, my guests are this summer's power couple: air pollution <laughs> scientist Tahir Masri and educator Athena Simularis, journeying and clamoring a bit around the country on a ten-week excursion with climate sciences messages. They're starting on this thirty-state count them a journey on August first. So why don't you sort of trace for us what your path is, your planned route, and and. I don't know if it's, it's, it can diverge from uh, digress from the itinerary too. I mean, this sure. is just a work. Of, this is a work in progress, maybe. But we're yeah, this is evolving on your blog that we can we'll post along uh, the link of it on the the podcast summary. But lead us through where you're going to go. Yeah, sure. So we're going to be leaving here from Orange County, and we are heading to our first stop, which is Las Vegas. Um, we are going to spend a few days there. We are going to continue on through Utah to Colorado. We're going to continue up north. We're going to go through both Dakotas, then we're going to continue on east. We're going to go through um, Chicago and Idaho, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and back to my home state of Massachusetts. Um, We'll be spending a few weeks in New England, um, talking to the different states in the area, as well as saying hello to my family. We uh, both have a lot of contacts. Um, I went to school out there for six years. Mm -hmm. She went to school in the area, and and her family's from there. So we plan to uh, do a lot in in you know that area, just kind of for about three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. I love that, putting Harvard in its place, out there, out <laughs> there. This, this is the center of the universe. <laughs> and so, and there's a reason you picked those places. Well, so we wanted to first uh, do two different routes. So we could have gone, you know, there and back in the same route. Uh, D.C. is a pinnacle of, of our trip. So we plan to meet with our um, our congressional representatives in Washington, D.C. If they're not there or they're, they're not un- on un- recess, then uh, we'll, you know, it, we will be there regardless, uh, it, even if we have to talk to staffers um, to communicate, our, what, you know, what we feel to be important about climate change. And um, we are actually trying to rally other people to do the same uh, sort of what is happening in D.C. right now with the CCL conference. It's sort of like a, a day of, of, of lobby action. Uh, we would invite people to do the same uh, when we arrive. Uh, what was important on, their, on our return trip, which we yes. just added, um, yeah. it was quite far off route, uh, is good old Miami. Uh, so that was we were previously going to just kind of cut through Nashville, uh, Kentucky area. But, uh, you know, it became sort of this elephant in the room. You know, how can we miss Florida? It's it's undergoing. It's sort of the epicenter of climate change as we're observing the, in the country. So now we've just tagged on an extra week where we're going to drop down to the very tip of Florida uh, and, and talk to people there about climate change. Maybe we can meet with uh, the two founders of the House Climate Solutions uh, Caucus, um, who are from Florida, the Republican and the Democrat. Cubelos, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll travel uh, along the southern route back to California. So I'm wondering if you, I mean, I know that real estate agents have, I know why they do what they do, but I, I would just love to ask them about how are values climbing in South Miami Beach as the the sewers back up on non-rainy days, and that kind of thing, the yeah. water main. So, I, I mean, I, I hope you get to find out what, what, what they have to say and, yeah. and where they live. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're really excited to ask those questions, and Florida is going to be really interesting. So we're excited to actually go down the east part of the state. We'll pass through Miami, and then we'll come up through the Keys and talk to all the communities there that have been getting hit with these hurricanes over the last few years. And you're going to be in hurricane season this trip when you're in Florida. We are. (laughs) scary, actually. (laughs) That's absolutely the time, and it started about a week and a half early this year. So, oh. Alberta. And it'll probably go a week and a half late. We'll and, see. And so, well, that'll be, well, we'll just, maybe we'll have to take some live phone calls when you're, you know, <laughs> from your various booths along the way. Yeah. Well, you know, um, w- well, first, what are you going to, what are you going to leave behind? You know, yeah, like you leave your calling card behind. Are there, I'm not, you're not exactly going to give people assignments, but what are you leaving behind? You're going to pick up, you're going to bring back with you, but what's, what's that step going to look like? Um, there's a couple things. So I've been to you know, a million climate talks, you know, in my life. And, and one of the things I don't like is when I uh, get all jazzed up and then there's sort of no action items that are presented to me. And then, uh, you know, I'm sort of left on my own to figure things out. So we don't want to do that. And we want to sort of leave seeds of action behind us. And one of those seeds is when we aren't... So Citizens Climate Lobby is something I, I, I view uh, this organization as doing a lot uh, of work that we need to do. And we're going to be basically, as we travel cross country, um, leaving seeds for hopefully planting new chapters in areas um, where where there aren't any. And for areas, uh, and generally speaking, we want to ask for weekly climate action items. Um, so... That could be as simple as, you know, once a week, strike a conversation about climate change that you wouldn't have otherwise had with somebody. We need to bring this conversation back to the to center stage. Um, call your Congress member, um, you know, things like that. Well, there'll be primaries. People are bubbling up. Sorry, is oh, that, yeah. Is that, and that's what I want to do. Are, is this timing also to do with any kind of midterm election activities? It wasn't birthed with that in mind, but it certainly overlaps very nicely. And with we all plan, the yard signs. Yeah, yeah we, we plan to um, inform people uh, of the importance of looking at people's climate policies if they have any. And also in. encouraging people to vote. Right. Mm-hmm, when they have the opportunity to. Well, here's my, this is my go-to conversation. Every stranger allows my two questions and then if I, I take the cue, so this, this might be part of what you can put in your own repertoire is I ask anybody, are they registered to vote? Mm. All right. And then I find out if they're newly arrived, well, you know, help them set up. And then I ask them, do they know who is the, their member of Congress? So only, only about 92% of the people don't know that. <laughs> so anyway, that's a it's I get that's a sort of like when you're gassing up and when you're before you meet, after you meet, and that kind of thing. That's that the, everybody allows that. Nobody's discouraged me from asking that. It's it's tempting to actually bring some sign up sheets for people to vote. Uh, I don't Changing know. Changing your counties as you go. <laughs> <laughs> bring a stack of them. Uh, anybody who's at our talks should at least be ready to vote. <laughs> so so anyway, those those are some of the things you're leaving behind. So are you? Are you sort of looking at? I mean, you've got with your pedagogical uh, know-how and wizardry, you can you can sort of read read mm-hmm. your audience and find out somebody's waiting for that validation. Somebody's waiting for a, a homework assignment or something like that. So that's what you're you're going to keep your your casino eyes peeled on how that's going to to. Uh, how you respond to that, how you look for it and respond to it. Right, and so one great thing about um, some of the events that we've already had and some of the ones that we have upcoming here locally is that they are um, small enough that they're accessible to both Shahir and I. So, like, for example, last week when we spoke at St. Mark's, people were so 
excited about certain things that we were saying and had so many questions. Oh, they and did. Because they they've did. been hearing about Whole this house. from Mark Tabbert for many yeah. rounds, but they're but they are they're right up and running. Yeah, and we presented them with a with a few different options of things they can do. The some of the things she here said spark up the conversation, get out and vote, contact your uh, member of Congress, and we also gave some other solutions and some other information about different lifestyle and habits that people can um, shift or adjust or even just um, reflect on of their own life and how they can bring some more, you know, sustainable uh, sustainable practices or eco friendly practices into their life and people you know, feel like there's something they can do. So we're giving a whole bunch of different options and different information. And it seemed that people can relate to different different parts of those solutions and options. I don't know if you have any time before you leave in August, but how about test driving this dog and pony at the Saddleback Church? We'd love to, if you have any contacts there. No, I, I, you just go to them and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to your environmental uh, mm-hmm. advocate, you know, or yeah, I'm going to talk to your your community response team or something but ask them and you then you test drive it see what works and you can always go back everybody in the country knows about that congregation right it's the Mm -hmm. most powerful mega church most high profile one and you can you can always refer back to when we were at saddleback i think that's a great idea we're going to pursue that and and we'll get back to you to let you know how it goes (laughs) okay well they they need to hear so now this is i don't ever get to really ask this personal question but you two are an item, right? That is true. And <laughs> how long after you were acquainted with each other did you start seeing this project coming? Well, well <laughs> I was waiting for um, So we've been together for three years, um, and this, this action item came together a, a, a year ago. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess two-thirds into our, our relationship is when this and now it's been a third of our <laughs> wow it's been a third <laughs> of our relationship we've been we've been sort of talking and planning about this um we've been talking about environmental you know sustainability uh, this was clearly something that uh we both you know shared a commonality on uh when we first met she was more coming from a sustainable um she got me composting in boston in fact when, <laughs> when we first met which oh she, you met over there okay yeah if you can believe it uh composting in in an urban environment Yeah. um, And so we always, you know, we're always very eco-minded. And of course, we have a whole variety of interests between Shahir's background and then, you know, my interest in, you know, different sustainable practices and whatnot. Um, But it definitely, you know, with the election um, and some hopeless feelings of, you know, what we can do, we started to get more involved um, locally. And then last year, after a really inspiring conference and Shahir's phone call, you know, it just feels like the right thing to do. And it's perfect timing when my school is ending and she hears contract is ending and now's the time we have nothing to lose and it's going to be a wonderful trip and we're not entirely sure how it's going to go and what bumps we're going to encounter on the road but it is going to be an adventure and we're really looking forward to it and it totally feels like the right thing to do. So you have every opportunity along this way. We we'd mentioned that there's hurricane season going on. There's midterm elections. So it's a really it's going to be uh, incumbent of you to figure out how to pivot, uh, how to work with 
and sort of tack on to the going concern. It's going to change every time, every town you land mm-hmm. in, every week. And we don't know there's going to be something blowing up in the national leadership picture. We don't know. It'll be there'll be a Singapore happening in the middle of the summer, even though it's, it's, August is a slow news month. It's not. It won't be slow. <laughs> we know that mm-hmm. right now. So you're going to be at, you're going to have to really follow a lot of local news to know what what kind of water cooler topics to really respond to. It's true. We're 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 actually uh, really in need of uh, <laughs> of staffers, to be honest. <laughs> it's basically the two of us are the engine here, um, and uh, yeah, we're those long drives in between states are going to be um, briefing know, periods. Briefing periods, and I plan to. Uh, you know, I'm already printing out reports that are are uh, discussing you know geographic impacts of climate change across the country. But certainly, as new you know press releases and uh, news items come come out, we're going to have to be super on top of that and. Um, hopefully find like a volunteer in each state who's willing to kind of keep us apprised on things that are happening locally. And we also want to partner with local groups to, um, you know, if we can come speak and, and do um, some public engagement accompanied by a local uh, grassroots organization who could uh, speak about local concerns, that would be ideal. Well, Indivisible would have, Indivisible, they've, yeah. got, they've got mm-hmm. somebody in every county now. It's true. They must, so wow. they, they must be your, like your branch offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than CCL. I think that's. A, I think it's a fair point. Yeah, we we should actually reach out more to, more to those groups. It's it's uh it's actually quite uh <laughs> quite overwhelming trying to reach out to the whole country. Well, uh, it is right. Takes a lot of time. We're, we're both busy <laughs> after our day jobs when we get home. <laughs> exactly. Well, how can our listeners support you? I mean, in cash, kind of in cash, in kind contributions being your uh, pen pals to keep your morale. I mean, what kinds of things do you want listeners that are tuning in now and later to help you out? Well, thanks for asking that. Um, we have a website, uh, roadforclimateaction.com, where we have a uh, donations webpage. It's one click, and it will bring you to our GoFundMe page. Um, we've been uh, you know, happy to see uh, some dollars trickling in and um, appreciate every donation that we get. Um, you know, it goes from everything to gas money to you know, lodging and food and all, all of that while we're sort of deferring from work. And then, you know, just tuning into our blog, following our journey, sharing the message on Facebook, those are incredibly valuable and shouldn't be um, overlooked by any means. Uh, we've had people email us and say, hey, uh, I'm in Philadelphia. I noticed we're on your route. Uh, if you could, if you'd be willing to pay us a visit, I'd love to, you know, host you and set up an event. And, and that was incredibly helpful. So um, really, the sky's the limit. All of these different paths are extremely helpful to both our planning and uh, resor- resources. So I'm also wondering of the the idea of the pen pal that you you can have your local contacts here get on your pen pal list and you can leave those behind too and sort of keep that conversation going, uh, you know, for the uh, Presbyterian Church, you know, the other Presbyterian churches get them hooked up and then all the people that are lining up at Saddleback and then get them lined up with some of the other venues that are comparable to them but if, if there's I know that's another assignment but you you got to <laughs> keep that conversation going you got to invigorate them I don't you're know, right absolutely some, something like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, we, we even have uh there's there's um as I mentioned CCL there's a, a higher education uh, division a lady that we've talked to who is going to um you know has offered to be the point person for any talks we have where we could p- point people to her and she'll help them set up groups or get involved in local uh, climate action ccl groups mm-hmm. so any kind of other assignments you want to give listeners right now 
you know, let's start talking about climate change. Uh, follow our journey on the road for climate action this summer. Uh, we look forward to uh, anybody who wants to reach out or share the message. It's uh, now's the time, and we're really excited to bring this to center stage. Yeah, send us an email. We're here. We are checking our email constantly, and we are happy to talk to you. Roadforaction at gmail.com. All right. Well, I w- wish you to tailwinds. Keeping the mileage working for you and your uh, your it's not it's is it electric it's a net it's almost net zero it's going to be a hybrid we hybrid. wish we could do electric right because you don't know where you're going to be able to guess uh, right power uh, up power up there uh, so tailwinds with keeping the mileage working out for you keeping the crowds congregating open and hungry minds for you and use all the radio power stations you can all the way over and all the way back and report to us whenever you want. Thank you so much, Claudia. Yes, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be right back after a brief station break I'm with Curtis Erskine, of LA Times. Be right back. J'étais tranquille, j'étais peinard. Accoudé au flipper, le type est entré dans le bar. A commandé un jambon beurre, puis il s'est approché de moi. Puis il m'a regardé comme ça. T'as des bottes, mon pote, elle me botte. Je parie que c'est des Santiago, viens faire un tour dans le terrain vague, je vais t'apprendre un jeu rigolo, à grand coup de chaîne de vélo, je te fais tes bottes à la baston, moi j'y ai dit Les béton. That was Les Béton and that is like hitting the pavement. It's such a pleasure to bring you back to Ask a Leader with my next guest, Chris Erskine, a nationally known humor columnist and editor for the Los Los Angeles Times. He writes for the sports, travel, and Saturday sections and edits on the paper's feature staff. As an editor, he's been part of a two- Pulitzer Prize winning teams at the Times, and he is best known to readers for his weekly humor pieces on life in suburban Los Angeles, Middle Ages is what it's called of late. His latest book, Datitude, The Joys and Absurdities of Modern Fatherhood, released in 2018, is a collection of his favorite Times columns on fatherhood. His two other books are Man of the House and Surviving Suburbia. Originally from Chicago, he's also worked for papers in New Orleans and Miami. He received his bachelor's degree at Drake University. He comes to us today from from L.A. today or La Cañada? Yes, I am. La Cañada, near Pasadena. Near Pasadena, right there by JPL that had that lovely open house. Oh, it's God's country. Yeah, well, yeah, it's right near JPL, which is in La Cañada, although there's uh, people always, uh, newscast, TV news people always say, you know, JPL is in Pasadena. It's technically right in La right. Cañada. Right there. We take claim to it because we don't have much else. <laughs> You've got lots. Well, There's a steakhouse and a Chipotle, pretty much. That's that's about it. So we'll, we'll claim JPL. Okay, well, with the rhythm of a jazz musician and the precision of an English major, you're, and you're not an obsequious English major at that. Your comportment is deceptively casual, a Zen burlesque. Your 40 years of journalistic experience minting these thoughts seamlessly. So as you manage to steer clear of earnest expression, your voice has evolved into a kind of a father figure to a many a reader. Very avuncular, as they used to say, avuncular. right? <clears throat> there's, there's, there's something that English majors would like. You know, I think it has, Claudia, I think it has evolved because um, I've gotten older and, you know, as I approach death, I, I have a certain wisdom that I didn't have 20 years ago. Um, I think the, I was telling somebody the other day, I think that this is my third book 
And I do think it's my best, and I think it's because I'm a little more patient. I don't force things quite as much as when you're starting out as a writer and you're trying to prove yourself and you're trying to find an audience and you're trying to impress your editors and publishers and everything else. I think I've relaxed about it a little bit so that it comes a little easier, and I think it's it's maybe more casual and, and maybe more readable. I hope more readable. I actually think it is. But uh, I, I'm probably not the best judge of that. But I, I think I think you know, writing is a muscle. The more you use it, the, the the stronger it gets. And you know, there's no reason somebody of my advanced age can't continue to uh, to produce and and get better. And and uh, I hope I'm getting better. I want to I want to keep getting better. Well, with that muscle, though, and with, you know, I say advanced years when, when you and I are like within about two years of each other, I'm thinking here. And so <laughs> you look a lot younger than uh, me. Stop, huh? stop, 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 please. No, no. He looks even better than that little skit in the L.A. Times. There, yeah, well, I thank goodness. A lot better. No, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so th- right. So I'm thinking of um, your readership in the L.A. metropolis and then reading Datitude. There's a very democratic feel about all who must be following you from the I would say from the well healed to the well oiled so right, what kind right. of a what kind of a feedback do you get from you must have everybody um, all over the map listening and listening in on so to speak well, your water yeah I, you know I hear from school teachers and movie stars I mean I, I hear though I hear from the whole range and and I think that that's good I mean I wouldn't want to hear from just from middle-class white guys like me um, <laughs> Although I hear from them too, so I like that there's some diversity in age, and you know economic status and everything else. Because I think that as a writer, you want to share things that, that connect, and you want to connect with people, and you don't want to just connect with people just like you, because um, that's the world you know. So I think you want to talk about ranges, and I think, and this is the thing, Claudia, we have way more in common than we're willing to confess to sometimes. We look like we, we, we put up fences, and, and we argue, and we, we dig in our heels over stuff, and we really have way much more in common than than we think. And, and this isn't just, you know, different nations, different, you know, ethnicities, different economic, you know, strata it's just you, you we do we're we're more alike than we are different generally and i so i hope that that what i write is which isn't you know big colossal stories they're just little moments in in regular life i hope that you know people find your relatable moments to that and it doesn't matter if you're you know living in a mansion or a trailer a trailer home you're, you're you have the same struggles life is a lot of maintenance life is a lot of Hurry up and try to get through traffic and get to back to school night and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I think that we, I, th- I think that it is an indication that we do have a lot in common. And my feedback's great. I love my, I love the feedback I get, and I get ideas from readers, and I get oh, you do, they do inspired by readers, and um, especially during some of, the, some of the tough times we've had. Yes. Um, you know, they have been part of my support, and and. Um, and it's just been remarkable that way. Well, I I want to put that that thought uh, and and return to that if it, the opportunity avails itself. But 
when I'm thinking of your range and readers and you have perhaps no idea, I don't think Garrison Keillor knew that President Obama was listening to Prairie Home Companion while Obama was on the lonely campaign trail. And it was a very interesting interview uh, they ha- they aired on uh, on public radio and uh, like it caught Garrison Keillor like the guy had a like a really pregnant silence. He didn't know what to say to a right. sitting president saying, oh, yeah, you guy noir kept me, you know, going. So <laughs> so it, I imagine, Chris, that's what's going on with yours. So now now I'm going to leap into a little bit of the snark, but sarcasm, it's one of several marinades flavoring your right. commentary. I want to know, what do you think it's a good time for a parent to introduce well, sarcasm? Well, you know, sarcasm is a gift. You know, can it be taught? It's like dunking a basketball. Either you have it or you don't. But I, I think it's part of it as a point of view, and I, and I think you have to be a little careful with that. You don't want to be cynical. There's a fine line between just being a cynic who doesn't believe they're ever uh, the good in people than anything else, and being sarcastic, which is sort of just a crutch that, that kind of gets you through the day. Um, I, I I think a good sarcasm just is, is is funny, and it's a little bit of a skewed way of looking at things, and a, and a way of making tough times more tolerable. Um, but you don't want to go all the way. You don't want to move the needle all the way to cynicism and pessimism. And so that's that's a fine line, you know. I'm pretty much by nature an optimist. I think living in California helps me you know, helps keep me in line that way. I mean, the sunshine and the good weather and the outdoors and everything else, I think, sort of feeds that. I think when you get cooped up, um, I think of my Midwestern upbringing, I think of being cooped up in February and March and and you go a little stir-crazy, and that affects your mood and it affects the whole atmosphere of a place. So California is blessed with this, that wonderful sunshine, and I think it affects how people sort of look at life. We get sort of a bad rap that way, but I, I think it's part of that is envy, and, and part of it is just from people who haven't been here and don't, don't really understand it. So, um, but, yeah, I love sarcasm. I love, I love irony. You know, I love any kind of laugh, but a good wry uh, observation is so much better than a silly punchline. So, you know, I think that's what writers, you know, uh, sort of aspire to is, is a little more sophistication to the to the joke than, you know, than just a cheap laugh. And we get a lot of cheap laughs on TV. We don't, we don't get, a, you know, the TV sitcom now is sort of a lost art, as far as I'm concerned, and with a couple of exceptions. And, and part of that is that they do go for sort of the cheap laugh and the, and the surprise factor. I mean, surprise is always makes people laugh, but sometimes they do it, you know, they use an, uh, a, a naughty word in a weird circumstance, and that gets them the cheap laugh and gets them out of the scene. And so I think sarcasm and irony, when it's done well, is just makes for good reading. And it also makes us sort of uh, help, helps us endure, you know, some of the, some of the tough times. And I think sarcasm it gives a, a, a deeper range, a, a little more of an essay to a point that you make. So there's there's a lot more. I message. totally disagree. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 right. It does. It really does. I think it can win people over. I think it can it can lighten a moment, and I think it can relax people a little bit. I think when people are just too on point about something, um, they will. You know, they, you risk putting people off. I think a little sarcasm is a little bit of humanity, really, sneaking into the conversation. And so, yeah, it's, and, you know, as far as teaching my children, I, you know, I wouldn't say, hey, okay, we're going to sit down and work on our sarcasms today. No, no. 
No, they get it. They get it's a. It is a kind of mother's milk. That and that's yeah, what I want right? to know is when it, is it too early to introduce it? Because I, I can see how a, it. I transform. Oh, to I my think. Next. I think when you hit double digits, I think when you're ten years old, eleven years old, and you're you know, uh, you know, I think it probably wouldn't be a bad time to be a little sarcastic once in a while. I think it's inevitable with teenagers. I think you know, fifteen-year-old girls turn that into a to an art form and. And because they won't take anything you say seriously, and so you know that's that's where you, that's where you go. Like I've, I've the tipping point. I've gone. It's too much of this way, and it's too much mm-hmm. that way. And so, but there's you know just like there's there's good humor and bad humor. There's good sarcasm and bad sarcasm. And how do you define it? It's a really interesting. It's really an interesting topic because I've always sort of appreciated the know, art form. Yeah, yeah. The, the comics and the writers who use it, and and. Uh, but I think it has to be used, uh, you know, like anything else, uh, you know, a little bit as a seasoning rather than just a whole dish because then you get tired of it and then you lose, you do lose the element of surprise because surprise power. is really important in humor. And um, so you don't want to just, just be the sarcastic, gloomy guy all the time. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is nationally known humor columnist and editor for the Los Angeles Times, Chris Erskine, out with his brand new book, Datitude, The Joys and Absurdities of Modern Fatherhood, published by Prospect Park Books. So the tailpieces, as you call them, to each chapter, it's a lovely collaboration between you, the writer, and your family members. Tell us about how your children, as well as Posh, well, came yeah, on board with that. thank you. That was Colleen Dunn-Bates is, is the publisher at, at Prospect Park, and she came to me. She wanted to do 50 columns, 50 of my greatest hits. I said, I don't know that I've had 50 greatest hits. I'm not Elton John, for God's sakes. But, you know, find 50 columns through the years from the hundreds you've written that, that you like. And I said, okay. And she goes, and what I'd like to do is at the end of the columns have the family weigh in um, with a few sentences on what they think of this column and how they were portrayed in the column. And I told Colleen, I think that's the dumbest idea maybe I've ever heard. I go like, are we really going to, what are we, what are we going to let, the, we're going to give them editorial voice? What What the heck, you know, that could so backfire on us. And, 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 uh, but I was actually, seriously, I was very, um, I liked the idea. They were game. They were good sports about it, as they've always been about this whole thing. They all hit their deadlines, except for my wife, who you know had to be bribed. And um, um, but yeah, it's 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 it was a nice thing. So basically, if it's a story about coaching softball, which I did a lot of and wrote, right. wrote on, and then the the, the little red haired girl who's, who's who's grown up to be Rapunzel. Yes. Um, <laughs> she got to have her little tap dance at the end, where she goes like, you know, Dad. Dad thinks he was a tough coach, but he wasn't really such a tough coach. He was he was kind of a, a nice guy coach, and and, uh, and we had a lot of fun, and and uh, you know. But it's not easy being coached by your dad, and and you know sometimes I <laughs> there was one one moment where I yelled at her in a soccer game where she was just oh, no no like, Chris we can't, we've got to we've got to up the book sales we're not going to give any spoilers oh, okay. I'm sitting on all that but I just but for, for listeners to know though that those tail pieces they're the kind of moment we were waiting for as we read your column week to week over the years and they sort of 
give us additional insight so that we understand, you know, whether right. A, it was an embellishment, B, what really happened, adding another thing. And like one daughter says that, you know, there's jokes within the jokes and there's still those jokes are between just the Erskine. So, no, but we're, <laughs> we are going to let the readers buy the book and then they okay. can see those well, tale pieces like for themselves. That's, the book, that's what we're doing. Well, I don't know if this is where you would like to maybe read an excerpt uh, to our listeners. Okay. Well, let me see what I got here. I just happen I, to have a copy of the book. You do. Book right I have here. mine here too, in case. And I'll steer you to page eighty-four. Oh, oh you, you have something in mind here. Okay, I don't know 84. if page eighty-four. Um, All right. About uh, you could start with catch any fish. As, okay. Um, from the on the road. Yeah. This your is toilet yeah. Has right. More this is you know there there we have chapters and this is from a, a column called your toilet has more trout. It's about us fishing up in the Sierra, and um, and so yeah, we've we've had our struggle to serve a family trait that to not catch fish, but we we continue with it anyway. So, um, and this is just a little excerpt from that. Um, catch any fish? They always ask when we return when we return from vacation, but they never ask about hammock time. Of course, we spend we did spend countless hours on the banks of a beautiful river. Trying to switch, trying to stitch on fish hooks in the twilight onto a line as slender as a baby's eyelash. Ready, Dad? No. How about now? No. With fishing gear, I have a surgeon's steady hand, but the sorry eyes of a cartoon cop. In the fading light, I can barely make out the hook, let alone the hint of fishing line. Got it? Nope. Got it? Nope. I may as well be placing angels on the head of a pin. So yeah, so this is you know this is a father a father fishing with kids is is I remember my dad doing that, and the big bundles of just this bird's nest of monofilament that would you know when when kids fish I don't know what it is but this tangle of line that's inevitable, and I remember my dad you know finally getting out on the boat he loved to fish and finally getting out there and within five minutes there would be this big beehive of monofilament that he'd have to either cut away and, and, and re, re you know, because we're seven years old and we couldn't do it for ourselves. We so, should have probably. So, Chris, I'm thinking um, I got you cued into a different catch. You say catch any fish twice on that page. If you could go straight to 85, I think it's a Hemingway thing, their mother. Oh, you do, do you? That's what, there you? That's what you say at the top of 85. I think it's a Hemingway thing, their mother explains as we trudge home from fishing glum and swollen and scented by bait. Who? asks one of the kids. Hemingway repeats their mom. Mariel asks the older daughter. <laughs> which is which is a reference that most people would not get anymore. Nope, there were no fish this vacation, but no regrets either. Except maybe for the overspending, over drinking and oversleeping, all of which were tied together one way or another, a chain reaction of summer's overindulgences. And then so, there, the older daughter remembers after that. That's a tailpiece everybody gets to take a look at there. I, I, I yeah. wanted that that flavor and that sort of that rhythm that you keep. It's really that's why I'm talking about the the rhythm of a jazz uh, musician. Well, I, I love I love music, and I've always thought you know, and and maybe it's a little bit of a crutch as a writer if you use rhythm too much. But I I think the the better columns have a certain rhythm yes. to them. I think I'm kind of a rhythmic writer. I think. The columns are easier when I get off to sort of a thing, and sometimes it's three-quarter time, and sometimes it's four-four time, and it, <clears throat> sometimes it, ch- it changes time signatures, you know, through the 
through the piece, which I think is something that writers sort of need to do. You got to fall out of your patterns a little bit. But yeah, I think there is a, a rhythm to my writing, and um, and 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 I think you have to be a little careful of that because you don't want to fall into the same patterns and the same. No, no, you change it up, and that's why the, the jazz musicians have wildly elaborate kinds of rhythms. So yeah. I, I think that metaphor holds with with your with your whole well, I'm craft. Flattered. Well, Thank you. Oh, Thanks. absolutely. Well, our listeners. Chris, who read you regularly, anticipate news of your family each time you chronicle your your family's profoundly sad news from last March along with other struggles over the last two years. How are the Erskines faring? Well, yeah, we've had we had the one-two punch of <clears throat> of my wife's uh, cancer diagnosis early in 2017, and then we had the terrible traffic accident that um, killed my son in March. Yeah, yeah, March. March 4th. And so, yeah, I was like, can we catch a break? Um, uh, you know, I think all things considered, we're doing okay. Um, somebody explained the other day that grief isn't uh, necessarily linear. It's not like when you have a baby and at three months he's going to do this, and at six months he's going to be doing this, and at a year he'll be starting to walk. <clears throat> grief is, is kind of can circle back on you a little bit, and I think that's what we're finding. And, um, uh, so, you know, some one day will be good, the next day will be better, and then you're thinking you're, you're, you're making progress in, the, um, in everything, and, and then, you sort of, then you sort of have a, a, a sort of a down-in-the-dumps day, which is, uh, which is understood and, and, and part of the process. And so, um, so we're, we're, we're dealing with the two things. We're dealing with, with missing Christopher um, and going forward, and we're, we're dealing with... with um, Pasha's health. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have we have our hands full. Um, we have each other. We have we have a New Orleans trip coming up that I think will be great for us. We used to live in New Orleans and we love it. And so, um, and where your son was born there. Yeah, right. So we're going back there, and that's that's very much a tribute to him. And so I think it's it's a little bit that um, we need to get out of our you know, get out of our house a little bit here and spend a week somewhere else, and I think that will help. Um, but, yeah, it, it, is, it is, a, is a tiny silver lining to a, a huge tragedy, but people have been <clears throat> absolutely remarkable and supportive and tried to say the right things. I had one guy write me. He said, I, I don't know what to say. There are no words, but I have to say something. And I think that that sort of sums up the way people feel. What, what could I possibly say that would lift this? this heavy grief um, off their shoulders. And there, there are no words for that. But the fact that you try and that you look us in the eye and that you slap us on the back and encourage us to go on, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. And, and that's, that's really, really helped to get us through. And it, 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 it does for, um, for a guy who's kind of a snarky guy, <laughs> I get a little misty over all, yeah. how, how great people have been. And, and <clears throat> again, it's sort of, it's, it's, that is life affirming. And that is, um, that just just restores your faith, you know, just in in, in other people and in, in in going forward and everything else. So, um, you know, as bad as we've had it, people have it worse, and 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 so we're 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 just going to take stock in in what we have. I, I I had a great buddy, I lost to cancer at age fifty one, and, and he's he mentioned, to, yeah, in yeah, attitude, yeah, yeah, Don, and and he used to say, focus on the good. And he'd be going through this awful stuff, just this awful stuff you couldn't even imagine. And you'd ask him how he's doing and this and that and how you're getting through that. And he'd go, I just focus on the good. And so, 
I think that's a that's a, that's a huge simple phrase, but it really does. I think it, anybody can benefit from that. Is focus on the good. Step back a second and look at what you have instead of what you don't have, and and that can help you recalibrate and reset in in ways that um, I think are really significant. And and um, sometimes you just have to break it down to its simplest its simplest. Uh, form and and focus on the good uh, sure says a lot to that end. Well, we'll continue, we'll follow as you chronicle this in the newspaper. I only mention that because I know you've been really open with to, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, with your readers, and we're we're all following you. It must feel like millions are following you. So, and speaking of following you in the LA Times, I would say, Dad Erskine, do you want to tuck us in about how the changes at the LA Times and the new owner are going to pan out for well, staff and for the yeah, readers. Yeah, you know, we're still waiting for him to ink the deal, um, you know, which has ter- turned turned out to be very complex. Carving away the, the Tribune and, and the San Diego paper from the Trunk Corporation has turned out to be very tricky because we have deals in place to buy newsprint and ink and IT Hi. services and everything else. So they have to break that apart in order to, to sell off um, the UT and and the Times, so that's that's proved to be quite a challenge. So apparently that's the delay. So uh, anyway, we'll be we'll be happy. I mean, we're happy. I think family ownership is just generally better. I mean, you know, the the, the Dodgers went through that with the O'Malley's. Uh, you know, so much of their glory years were during the O'Malley reign, and then they got bought by Fox, and things were got went south in a hurry, and and. Um, Anyway, so we have we're very hopeful. We're we're very grateful to to the doctor Patrick Sun Chong to to step in and do this. I think it's a it's a gift not to just us but to the community and it's a challenge and he's gonna move us. We're not crazy about that, but I think again, focus on the good and the and the good is that we're out from from control, probably out from control of, of a corporation that, that we've struggled with, to be frank. And, you know, the, the, there, isn't a, there isn't a paper, whether it's us or the New York Times, that isn't struggling. And so um, we just need to sort of get out of our own way and, and, um, and have somebody who has some, has some faith in us and, and so that we can move on. Well, it's know. tricky. Uh, you've, everybody's packing up. I saw on that lovely, thank you again for that, uh, the, the L.A. Times downtown uh, building, the, the book. Uh, the tour, the, 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 the tour, the new there. So right. I, and I realize that your commute is about to be very athletic, hauling all the way from La Cañada to El Segundo. But yeah. have you booked a Datitude signing tour in the far-flung <laughs> venues of Orange County? Well, I do actually. I have a couple a couple of days coming up in July. Uh, on July fourteenth, I'll be in and Lisa uh, Lisa Viejo. Okay. Um, at Where the Barnes at? and Noble there, the Barnes and Noble okay. in the Lisa Viejo, and that's at two p.m. on the fourteenth of July. And then I'll be in San Clemente on the twenty first. Excellent. At about two p.m. and um, at, do you know have the little and I Beach can put Town the Books? I believe is the name of the little bookstore down there. Okay, good. I'll and, put that. Um, in. So I'm looking forward to that because I haven't gotten down into Orange County as much as I had, would like, and I have a lot of readers down there. I hear from them a lot, and um, so it's I love I love uh, particularly San, uh, San Clemente. I, I just it's just one of my favorite beach towns, and so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to both dates. Um, so I hope people come out and 
and hear me tell my dad jokes and you know um, some sarcasms and you know maybe sign a book and you know and sell a lot. Okay. Well, we hope. Yeah. We yeah, we yeah, hope. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I, I I'm proud of the book. Um, I just don't think dads get a lot uh, as, as much credit as they should. Um, they're kind of grinders. Dads are plotters and grinders, and but they have a huge impact on people's lives and, and particularly their children's lives, of course. And and so I think you know this week, uh, you know more than most, we're sort of thinking about that. And I think I think this book is a tribute to to all dads. And and so um, I hope that we can use this opportunity to sort of uh, to honor them. Well, very good. I we're going to hear close out here, Chris. I want. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We're going to be watching how things go on either side of Father's Day 2018. We're all pulling for the Erskins. Take care, and thank you so much for taking the time today. Claudia, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. My guest was Chris Erskine. He is the inestimable humor columnist at the Los Angeles Times, out with his brand-new book, Datitude, published by Prospect Park Books, and it's available at your independent book merchant. So I'm going to close with an announcement to Juneteenth celebration. It'll be downtown Oceanside on at the North Dittmer Street Pier, UA in Oceanside. The North San Diego County NAACP doesn't just commemorate the abolition of slavery during their annual Juneteenth celebration. They're going to empower the community to participate in creating everlasting change. So Juneteenth, it's celebrated in all over Southern California, so it's really good to find track it down. The NAACP chapter, I couldn't locate it in time for the broadcast, but in uh, Orange County's chapter, but please do check it out. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, more good programming. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. He could pass the time around some other life, but you know it chooses play.